This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. For years, I was so fed up with shampoo, I just stopped washing my hair. I quit completely. I was so sick of poofy, frizzy, limp hair, distorting my natural oils. Until a few months ago, I found modern mammals and it changed everything. And by the way, right now you can visit modernmammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. So check that out. So look, I heard about this through the podcast and before I agreed to advertise, they sent it to me and I was reluctant. But let me tell you, I should not have been. This stuff is absolutely magical. My hair felt better, smelled way better, and most importantly, looked better. And I know it will do the same for you as well. It doesn't have those hair-ruining chemicals like other products, and it doesn't leave any leftover residues. It works. Don't believe me? Go read their awesome reviews online as well. Go to ModernMammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. Again, that's ModernMammals.com for 10% off with promo code LSS. Don't forget to use our promo code LSS so they know we sent you. Sinners, welcome back to the show, my podcast, Lead Singer Syndrome. I am your host, Shane Told, as I talk to other lead singers about what it's like to be the front man or front woman of a band. Today we have a great show. We have Brent from I the Mighty, and I have a co-host today, Mr. Brendan Potter, who is one of the members of the Lead Singer Syndrome All Access Club. I decided to have him on as a co-host. He's a great member, and he happens to be a big fan of I the Mighty. So welcome, Brendan. Y'all will get very acquainted with him in just a few minutes. Before we get into that, I want to let you guys know, of course, you can always get in contact with me. It is very easy. You can email me at leadsingersyndrome at gmail.com. We're on all the social networks. Check out our Facebook page. It's been recently revamped, if you will. So have a search on there. Uh, Give them all your private information, whatever you got to do now for Facebook. Check it out. Give it a like. I want to thank everybody that tuned in last week. We had a progressive rock legend on the show, James Labrie of Dream Theater, one of my favorite episodes to date. So please go back and check that out. In other news... I know this is coming out a little bit late if you're the kind of person that downloads it right when it comes out. I know I'm a little bit late, but I'm going to make it up to you guys. On Friday, we're going to have a very, very special early edition of the podcast because another group of legends are putting out their new record, Erase Me. Spencer Chamberlain of Under Oath will be on the show on Friday, so look out for that. In fact, make sure you're subscribed. Hit the subscribe button, whatever you're listening to this on. I don't want you to miss that. It's a great talk, and it's coming out on Friday, which coincides with their release of their new record, Erase Me, which I have heard and is incredible. We talk a lot about that. I'm sure on Friday, everybody will be listening to that record, binge listening to that record, and then hopefully after that, you can come over and listen to our conversation. We dive into 
all kinds of things. It's an amazing, amazing conversation. So tune in on Friday for Spencer from Under Oath. If you want to support the show and keep this thing going and growing and more great guests, all I ask is you check out the Lead Singer Syndrome All Access Club. If you're a big fan of the show, if you like what I'm doing, for as little as $6 a month, it gets you in, you get bonus content, you get access to a great community with other fans of the show and myself, access to Lead Singer Syndrome merchandise, patches sent to your house in the mail, and hey, maybe one day you can co-host an episode of this show. Anyways, all I ask is you check it out. The link is leadsingersyndrome.com slash all access. And welcome all new members, so many new members from all over the world. It's great to have you guys. Thank you so much. Anyways, let's get into this episode. Brent from I the Mighty was busy with a sound check, so while I was waiting, I called my co-host Brendan and we had a little chat. How you been, dude? I've been great, man. How, how have you been? Uh, same old, same old. Just working away. Working away? No, it's uh, good to have you, you know, as we, we dive into a conversation with Brent from I the Mighty. And this is a, a band that you have a lot more familiarity with than I do. Yeah. But I feel like over the past, uh, I want to say, maybe even only six months or so, maybe six months to a year or something like that. Uh, I've started hearing about this band a lot. Yeah, they, I mean, they, especially like their newest album, I was actually kind of surprised that uh, they didn't cross your radar a little bit earlier because they, they really blew up with the album before this one uh, called Connector is when they really kind of yeah skyrocketed. But, you know, obviously then writing off of that with their newest album, uh, yeah, everybody was talking about their newest album, especially. No, it's a great, it's a great album. It's one of those bands, you know, you hear the name around and, and then I kept taking yeah. notice like, oh man, they're on the Pierce the Veil tour. They're on the Coheed tour. They're on, you know, there it seems like they're getting all these tours like one after another. Uh, and, yeah. and I'm like, okay, maybe I should check this band out. And, uh, the, yeah, their, their new record's phenomenal. Um, they've got a lot of music. They've been a band for like 10 years. Um, but it's, it's great stuff. And it's, it's funny cause the new stuff. Like for you, getting into like their newest record is so different from everything that came before it. You know what I mean? Well, that's 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 true because you know I I heard the band was like progressive, you know. So I'm thinking like, right. well, what's progressive? Like Dream Theater? You know, what I mean? like what does that mean? <laughs> and uh, yeah. you know, so I, I'm like listening to to their new record and being like, I don't hear any progressive like influence at all. Like there's no yes. Uh, you know what I mean? Right. I don't know what to tell you. So is that is that something that was more of a takeaway from their old stuff, you think? Yeah, so like it, their newest album is a lot more progressive than their older albums. Their older albums would be a lot more like rock or possibly even like flirting with post-hardcore. Um, oh, really? Okay. At, at least from, yeah, at least from their Call It Karma EP to uh, basically Connector was like kind of rock like flirting with post-hardcore. Um, I'm sorry, they have a Call It Karma EP? Sorry, I'm sorry. I, that's that's my bad. It's Karma Never Sleeps. Oh, okay. Well, thank God. I was like, yeah. am I going to have to <laughs> chew this guy out for... 
Uh, no, uh, <laughs> karma never sleeps. Well, shit. The word karma, shit. I mean, if, if we're going to be honest here, I think using that as a, in a song with the word karma, I probably got it from Radiohead. You know, karma <laughs> police. If, if anything, you know, I think that's yeah maybe the inspiration there. But no, okay. I was like, call it karma EP? Damn, dude. That would, yeah, so yeah, that would have been something. But yeah, no, they, like, it's crazy because they kind of changed their sound like all the way up until the Carmen Never Sleeps EP. They were kind of a lot more acustic ish. I don't, I don't really know how to put it. Um, right. No, I know that's that's something that I've read in every, every interview is that they started out as like a two piece acoustic band in high school, kind of, and then they you know formed yeah. into what they are you know now, what they've you know progressed to now. The reason I found them was because uh, this is like way back in the day, but Alternative Press had like uh, like bands you should know, and they were like they used to do what they sound like, and they had them listed as they sounded like Say Anything, and I was like what? So I listened and I'm like this sounds nothing like Say Anything. But they did do a song with Max Bemis, right? He did a feature. Yeah, they did a song. They also did a tour with him too, which is pretty cool. There's there's another one of the tours. I I knew there was another tour I was missing in there, like another big tour that that the that they secured. They got a good booking agent, man. I'm gonna ask him about that. That's yeah. impressive. Uh, yeah. So we'll see if he calls me in two minutes. So we'll see. We're waiting for Brent, everybody. We're waiting for Brent. Brent is supposed to call me. They're finishing a sound check on the Our Last Night tour right now, which I'm surprised that Our Last Night is so generous in giving them a sound check. Well, they've got them covered, you know. <laughs> uh, I see what you did there. Damn, dude, you're, I can't wait for these comments. But it's true, you know. I was going to ask Brent about that too. Like, you know, you're you're supporting a band that is widely known for their covers and pop songs. You know, right. I mean, I don't know. I don't know how many they actually play live. I, I, that would be a question, maybe more for our last night. But I, I don't know how how much of it is like their original material and how much they play as covers and what people coming out the shows want to see. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be crazy. I know uh, they had like a little bit of controversy with like a lot of their covers, I think use backing tracks. Um, so like warp tour, I think like they had a problem with their computer and they were like trying to play like a cover, but they couldn't without the computer. Mm. Well, the, I know that they use backing tracks. I mean, that's not like, that doesn't always mean anything though, either. Like, it's weird these days because some bands use backing tracks and it's like, it's not really like uh, lead vocals are in the backing tracks. It's just like padding with like synths or keyboards or like yeah. additional guitar like leads or something in there that they just can't physically play with without more people. And some some bands, even though they could play the song and it would sound fucking fine, you know, they just have this... Uh, I don't know mentality or this this fear that that, that they're not like going to sound good enough or something, and they need these backing cra- tracks like a crutch, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, because our last night is a very talented band, so I I don't know I I get annoyed with these bands that are like we need these backing tracks like no you don't you don't need that shit. Well, I heard that like an interview with with one of the vocalists, and he was saying that basically they go hard every night because they don't know if each night is going to be there. Last night, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's that's the, the tricky part about naming your band that. It could end at any time. They, they only play bars because there's a cover charge. <laughs> if it was our first night, 
<laughs> then what would happen? It'd They'd be have terrible. to break every it, night. Be be every night. <laughs> They'd never opener. get any better. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they need to put like a subtitle on their name, like "Our Last Night." But not really. We're going to be a band for many, many more years. Okay, don't worry. About it. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Why do I have to click the lock to make changes to look on my computer to just see another date of time? That's so stupid. And it's Pi Day. Oh, yeah, yeah. Cool. Nerds rejoice. How many numbers into Pi do you know? Uh, okay, uh, 3.14159, and then I'm done. Okay, I was at 3.14. That's, that's all you know. <laughs> Well, yeah, you got the main you got the main part of it. Yeah. Yeah. But uh no. I, I just round down to 3. <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. All right. What's your what's your favorite kind of pie? Uh my Oh, here he is. Here we go. Here's Brent. Brent. Can you hear me? I can hear you clear as a bell. I got Mr. Brendan Potter on the Sweet. phone as well with alongside us. Can you hear him okay? Yes, sir. We got everybody. All right. Who, and who is that? Bre- Brendan? Yeah. That's good. Nice to meet you, man. So, dude, Denver, gorgeous. How's it going? Uh, it's good. The weather has been really surprisingly well on this tour. It's like 65 degrees and sunny out here. Yeah, no, it's not bad. I mean, this is the time of year when you really roll the dice. I mean, like, <laughs> you never know. I mean, you guys are from San Francisco where it's like the weather changes like shit. I mean, that's like craziest weather ever but you don't get snow no i think it's it's snowed in the bay area once since i lived there and i've lived there my entire life and it yeah. was for like 15 minutes yeah no it's crazy the, the other thing about denver everybody talks about is the uh is the elevation and how it affects singers which is i don't know if we've ever talked about this on the show have you ever found that being in denver that you you start getting winded really easily totally 100 percent we were in Salt Lake City last night, and I, I started to feel it a little bit, and I kind of forgot that even Salt Lake City, I think it's like 5,000 feet up or something, too. But, yeah, I've, I feel it a lot when I'm like kind of running around, because I do the, the singing and guitar playing and the running around thing. I've <laughs> noticed that sometimes like during the running around thing, I get back to the mic, and I'm like, oh, shit. I have, instead of holding out this really long note, i got to take a breath <laughs> in the middle of it. <laughs> well, see, I, I, I think it might be bullshit. I think it might be totally psychological, and I'll tell you why. Because Albuquerque, New Mexico is higher than all of them. And I never knew yeah, that. Yeah, I don't really have too much experience playing Albuquerque, New Mexico. Oh, okay. We, we play there like every twice, tour. maybe? We play there like every tour. Um, so, and I never felt anything there. I can remember back like some great shows. And, and we played at this place called Sunshine Theater. I don't know if you've ever rolled through there before, but it's... Um, it's a big stage too. And you know, like the bigger the stage, kind of the more of the running around thing you do. And, uh, yeah. and then you, you know, you end up winded and I, I don't know. I think it's like more in your head. Uh, although I do think you get, drunk I'm sure faster. there's some placebo effect going on. There's yeah. probably some placebo effect for sure. Yeah. How's the tour so far? It's really great, man. All, all the bands are, are really sweet. The camaraderie on this tour has already been really, really cool. And uh, basically, every show was selling out. The only show I didn't sell out was San Francisco, um, but it was like 10 tickets away. <laughs> That's cool. Well, San Francisco, and I, I don't want to diss your, you know, your hometown or anything. Oh, dude, hit me with it. Let's go. It's not a great market for like this kind of music, man. It's not. Like The scene in San Francisco for rock music is pretty dead. 
either either I'm like extremely out of touch, which I think that's part of it as well. Um, but yeah, it's 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 pretty dead. I mean, we we're from San Francisco, and we draw more in like probably 15 different cities across the country than we do in our hometown. Yeah, I, I, it's it's interesting. We you know we um the last tour we did, we were out with uh, ha- um sorry, Hans Lake Houses, a different Australian band. We were out with Tonight Alive. <laughs> And um, we yeah, I was at that show, and I was at that show at Slim. Oh, you were really at the show? Oh my god, I didn't know. That's cool. Yeah, I came out to that show. Well, well, it's funny that that you were there at Slim's because when we were putting the tour together, uh, we said, "Hey, can we just do Sacramento? Uh, let's not do San Francisco. Let's just do Sacramento, and that'll be the one you know NorCal play." And mm-hmm. Tonight Alive was like insistent on doing San Francisco, so we did both. And of course, yeah. What that that led to was both shows not being sold out. Where if we'd just done one, and probably just just uh, Sacramento would have been like sold like sold out for sure. Um, I just think it's like, yeah, I don't know what it is, but San Francisco's just never been that great uh, for us. I mean, and I, I hear it's I hear not from a lot of considered an A market. Really, it's, I don't I don't think it's considered an A market anymore. I I, I, mean, well, I, I thought guess I remember someone telling not. me it got bumped down to a B, which kind of makes sense. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that whole what you label something like who decides that? You yeah, know? yeah. I feel like but if you have, <laughs> I feel like if you have two baseball teams, it's an A market. Yeah, that's that's what I'm yeah, gonna go by. Chicago, New York, San Francisco, L.A.—they're A markets. They got two baseball teams. If there's True. fecal matter in the dugout, though, like I don't, I don't know if that counts. <laughs> <laughs> well, my friend, uh, yeah. So our last night, this is like a, a different band um, in a lot of ways. A band that's sort of been around a long time, kind of known for like cover songs. Um, what's it like for people coming out seeing you guys? Was there any like fear of doing this tour? Maybe it being weird and having kids come out to hear pop songs. Um, not really. I mean, we I, as much as we're trying to, you know, slowly kind of get out of the, I guess, the warp tour world, like post hardcore scene. I mean, I don't, I don't really think with that post-hardcore of a band, but we've definitely been lumped into that category for a while. Um, mm-hmm. I think for that reason, I think there's a lot of cross-pollination between our fan base and their fan base to begin with, just because we've kind of lived in the same world as we both kind of came up. Um, but from what I've seen, I mean, we have a lot of people out to these shows too, which has been nice. I think it helps having like, you know, your culty crowd there. I think it helps like with the crowd participation, helps get everyone else involved. But um from what I've seen, I, I feel like we've been doing a, a good job winning people over who maybe didn't know who we were. Yeah, no, it's it's awesome. I mean, I feel like the last, and I was talking to Brandon before we, before we jumped on the phone about this a little bit. I feel like over maybe the last six months or so, I'm seeing your name just pop up a lot. And you guys are not a new band. You've been a band for, for well, over 10 years technically. Uh, and I feel like just in the last six months, maybe a year, things have really started to pop off for you guys. Is, is it? Do you think it's the new record? Do you think it's the tours that you've done, like all the tours you've done, finally people, uh, you know, catching on? What, what do you liken this to? Um, I think the new record has a lot to do with it. Uh, I think, I mean, it's, to me, I mean, maybe I'm too close to it, but right. I haven't necessarily seen like this big spike in the last six months. It's kind of been this, the slow building, you know, climbing this mountain for, for 10 years now and watching the, the snowball roll and slowly and slowly get bigger and bigger and bigger. I, I don't know if there's been like necessarily a spike. Um, hopefully, you know, this new record has done that for us, but um, it's just been like every tour we do more, more kids come out every time. So it's just been this kind of slow building thing for a decade now. 
Wow. And, uh, you know, as long as it keeps going the way that it's going, I'm, I'm happy with it. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy. Another, uh, while well, we're still on the topic of your tour and stuff, um, another band on the tour is Don Brocco. And have you had much time to hang out with them? Cause I know, well, they're huge in England. So it's always cool when a yeah. band takes like a step back to play, you know, like a much smaller spot on a bill. Uh, in another country where they're not as popular and they're also known as like a crazy party band. So I'm kind of wondering what the vibe is with them. The vibe is really good, dude. Like they're, they're super sweet guys. Um, the Jewel Vera people are really nice too. Like the, the, the group on this tour is really, really fun. Everyone's super sweet. Uh, we've gotten a couple party nights in, which has been really fun. Already nice. uh, A couple of guys from, the couple of guys from Jewel Vera are actually like, cocktail bartenders like oh, nice. specialty cocktail bartenders so after the seattle day uh, up in the green rooms they were making these like really extravagant like tiki cocktails and they were really strong they were way they were way stronger than you would think by the taste um so the entire tour package basically got pretty fucked up which was really fun <laughs> and it was a good bonding experience for everybody especially that early on in the tour to have like you know a night where everyone just kind of like has a good time and bonds with each other. And yeah, the Don Broco guys are really, really sweet. Um, super good dudes. Very, very good band too. Very good live band. Yeah, no, no, nice, nice. No, I think green rooms in, uh, in El Corazon are like the scariest thing ever. I don't know why anyone would want to hang up there. But... <laughs> We're used to it. <laughs> I've also heard that place is haunted. El Corazon? Yeah. That, that, you know I get that... to hear that about that place. That back hallway, apparently there's like people see ghosts back there all the time. So. Uh, I, need, I need to spend more time in that back hallway. Are you a ghost? Do you like, do you like ghosts? You want to see some ghosts? Ooh, yeah. Yeah, Ida Might is a big like, let's, let's see some fucking ghost band for sure. <laughs> we actually, we have a song called, uh, <laughs> we have a song called 111 Winchester on our new record that's kind of like a story about this guy who becomes uh, possessed by the spirit that lives in this house. It's like this big story. But we're, I, don't, I think we're kind of like out of out of music video budget for this record already, kind of. Right. Um, but the plan the plan was we were going to do this kind of like we might still do it, but do this kind of like DIY. Um, if we do another headliner record cycle, uh, like during the routing of the headliner, stop at all these places that are like really known haunted locations and get a lot of footage of us basically ghost hunting and make this kind of like feel good half tour doc half like you know. I don't know, like a silly music video because I feel like we haven't really done that in a long time. That's a great idea, man. Someone's going to steal that when they hear this. That's a great idea. Go to all these like creepy ass places because you'll get some actual scary stuff, like real stuff in there. It could be, yeah, it could just turn into it. It could just turn into it like a full on documentary. That's a great idea, man. Dude, we'll just, we'll get it. We'll we'll get picked up on like, you know, sci fi channel or something. We'll get our own show. (laughs) At the end of the music video, you could just walk in and Haley Joel Osmond is sitting there. (laughs) <laughs> nice Haley Joel Osmond reference, Brendan. <laughs> oh man! So uh, let's go back to some of the beginnings, man. I know we've talked about San Francisco, and I've, I think I've shit talked San Francisco most of this so far. Um, but let's talk about the early days um, of of your life. Like, how how'd you get into music? What was it like growing up? Uh, where specifically are you from in in NorCal? Uh, so. Everyone but Blake, our drummer, is from the Bay Area. So Ian and I grew up in Fremont together. Um, the guitarist Ian, uh, we we met when he moved into my neighborhood in third grade. Mm-hmm. So we actually started making music together uh, in high school. Him and my bro- uh, my friend David started playing drums. Ian started playing guitar, and I uh, I always just like was singing all the time. Not that I was very good, but 
I was just like the guy who was just always singing shit. And uh, <laughs> yeah. so they invited me to sing in the band and then uh, eventually picked up the guitar. And so Ian and I have actually been playing together since we were like 16 years old. But, but, but what, I mean, before um, that, like, you, you know, you're the guy that's always singing, you're, you know, you're playing guitar. How, how did you get into that? Like before this? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I just always was really like into, like when I was really little, I used to, um, record stuff on the radio, like with, you know, you like you use little cassette players and you can like record stuff on the radio. I would like interject myself as the DJ, like talking about like the next song that's coming on. And I would like sing along to the songs while they were on, like just being a little jackass. But I don't know. I just always been really into music even when I was a little kid. So the second I picked up a guitar, I, I was, I played in band too. I would play trombone in band and like that's how I kind of got more into music theory and like knowledge of music and stuff. But when I picked up a guitar when I was 16, I immediately, I don't think I ever played the trombone ever again. It's just like I <laughs> took over my life. Um, and yeah, so pretty quickly on by the end of high school, I had kind of already figured out that that's what I wanted to do. So I went to college for a year. I went to Cal State Hayward for a year. Um, and that, it kind of sucked because I liked school. I liked college and I liked school and I had like a 4.0 at Cal State Hayward. And then I was like, uh, I want to tour. So I dropped out and started touring. What were you studying? Kind of the history. Uh, I was studying music business essentially. Oh, okay. Uh, like I'd rather, from what I was told by all these different people, like all these mentors and stuff that I had had at the time, they're all kind of like, dude, for the music industry, like just start doing it. Like, I mean, I guess given certain job titles, like I, I was trying to be, you know, a musician and the guy who was like kind of managing us at the time back in the day was like, dude, if you try to do school and music, you're going to half-ass both. You're going to say no to tours that you shouldn't like, just start doing it. If this is really what you want to do with your life and just start doing it now. And yeah. I'm glad I took that advice. No, he's probably right. You know, and, and I'm sure that you have the same you know, fans coming up to you saying, Oh, I want to like, you know, Hey, do you need a merch guy? I want to like get into this. How do I get into this? Do you, can you, can I help you carry your stuff? Like, you know, and, and I always say to people, I'm like, just, you got to find some friends that are in a band or start a band yourself. And that's the way to start. And then that's where you meet people when you get in. And it's like, if you go to try to get a music degree and there's no degree in carrying gear, uh, there really, yeah, there yeah. really isn't, and that's like that's what most of the job uh, entails. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I think if you're if you really really excel at an instrument, you know what I mean. Like I was never like I never slayed a guitar. I was a good songwriter, but I couldn't rip all over a guitar when I was young. But if you have taken music lessons since you were a kid and you're really really good, and you can get into like Berkeley or Juilliard or something, do that. Like definitely do that. And in that, doing that, you'll meet all these like insanely other good musicians. And then you can do some real shit when you get out. But right. if you're like trying to play in a punk band, you know what I mean? Like, uh, and that's really what you want to do. And you, you feel passionate about it and you find the right people and the right team around you to do it. And just do that. Start doing it. Yeah. You know, I have a theory though. And, and like all of the best, let's say guitar players, like all the shredders that I know that are like just amazing at guitar, like rip plays circles around me and you combined everybody, even Brandon. And like, <laughs> the, those guys they never seem to be successful they never seem to be able to be in a band that's any good join a band stay in a band and I I don't know if anybody has any theories as to why but it always seems to be the case the best players are never in the best bands and I've seen that situation before too for sure yeah and I don't know what it is I mean you talk about how you're a songwriter. And I think what happens is people that tend to be creative or want to be creative, I think at a young age, 
they decide, well, yeah, playing scales in my bedroom as fast as I can is fun and all, but I want to create my own songs. I want to write my own songs. And then they start focusing on that side of it uh, and, and developing their craft. And then they stop, you know, they put away the Steve Vai and Joe Satriani DVDs and, you know, and they write down their, uh, you know, they write down their thoughts and their ideas and their expression. And I think that that's part of the reason why there's two types of people. There's songwriters and there's shredders. And usually they're not both. Yeah. They're usually not both. Yeah, very true. I mean, that's like when I was learning guitar and I, you know, I learned guitar to write songs for a band. So songwriting kind of always took precedence for me, especially when my focus was almost more so on, on the singing and the lyric part than the guitar part for a long time. Um, and yeah, I never took guitar lessons. I just basically learned how to play guitar by teaching myself how to play Coheed and Cambria songs. Right. So, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think that's why, I mean, I'll be honest, like, I can I can play, but I am in no way like an incredible guitarist by any means. Um, but I can play my own stuff, which I guess is really the only the most important part. <laughs> it is at this <laughs> point. You're not a cover band, so, uh, so as, long as, you, <laughs> yeah. as long as you can play your own stuff, you're good to go. Um, it's interesting you bring up Coheed and Cambria. I know you have a Coheed and Cambria uh, tattoo. Uh, did you have a question about this, Brendan? I feel like you you wanted to ask him something about Coheed. Yeah, and it's it's actually a little bit longer of a question, so sorry, I'm going to have to go forward a little bit in the in the timeline. But I know you're a humongous Coheed fan, um, I, and and where I'm going with this is the frame your your songs that follow the frame story and arc. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, was that at all inspired by Coheed? You know, they write such intricate storylines in their albums. Um, I mean, was was that ever? an inspiration in the frame, you know, or what was the inspiration for the frame? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it was, I don't know if there was ever a conscious thing like, Oh, Kohi does the Willingwell series. I should do something like that. I don't know if there was ever right. like a conscious thought like that, but um, yeah, I think they've influenced my, my music and my writing in a lot of ways over, you know, the last 10 years. I, I'm sure that was part of it for sure. I've, I've always loved storytelling and storytelling songs and uh, songs that, you know, bridge together and, Originally, the concept was all supposed to go on our first EP, Karma Never Sleeps, but I, I thought it would be better to like take it slow and really think it out and uh, just spread it across the three releases instead. Is there any reason that the, there's so, no, there isn't a frame song on the uh, on the new record? Is it? Uh, I, I I would uh, the story kind of wrapped itself up so well on the last album. Like I, I quit and Tarantino did. So the the frame the first one. Yeah. So. Once I finished the frame one and it just felt like such a completed thought and a finished idea, um, I did think about doing some sort of like frame spinoff on this record, but I don't know. It just seemed a little bit forced. It didn't seem as genuine as I wanted it to be. I'm not saying that it would never happen. Um, right. But the, that's the direct story of like the main characters of the frame series were that story's done. It's all wrapped. So, right. Well, you know, it's like, it's like Star Wars. You can do an episode, you know, episode four, five, six, then one, two, three, then seven, eight, nine. Then you can do some prequels. It's all good, you know? Yeah. I've been thinking about like some of the other characters in the story and doing like, even if it's just one song kind of about like that character and their story. And I, mean, I don't even know if I would call it the frame. I might call it something else. And then, you know, our cult fans would know that it's part of the frame series, but it wouldn't necessarily be titled that way. I don't know. Right. Well, right. Everything's so, still up in the air. How cool is it? So with, since, go ahead. Sorry. 
Oh, my bad. I, I was going to say, so since the original plan was to put the three on the Carmen Ever Sleep CP, did you basically have them, I mean, for, for the most part written then, or did you then instead take your time and write them out as each record came along? I knew what I wanted the story to be for the for three and two. I didn't know exactly okay. how I wanted to start it, which is why it didn't end up being on Karma. Plus, Karma was kind of like the way Karma kind of came about, like the way our band got signed and all that stuff. It was, you know, we we had we didn't have very long to write Karma Never Sleeps. It was like right. Equal Vision. We 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 recorded Karma Never Sleep. Or we recorded Cutting Room Floor and Escalators with the producer Eric Ron on spec because Eric saw us at a show and was like, yo, I really believe in this band. Um, but I think you need like a producer's touch. And we're like, yo, we just, we just made these other recordings. Like we're not ready to pay someone for new recordings. He's like, I'll do it on spec. I really think that I can get you guys signed off of like two songs. Wow. I'm like, wow. okay, <laughs> sure. And we were trying to get signed to the label at this point. We were going to like, take some new promo photos and get a booking agent and then come then, then like go for the label. Um, so we hit up, uh, this guy, Brad Wiseman, who was, who was booking and just to try to get him as an agent. And he was like, yo, I'm down. This is rad. Uh, and he just kind of like pushed it up the EVR ladder. And then we randomly get this email from Dan Sanshaw, the head A&R at, uh, Equal Vision. He's like, Hey, I'm going to come out to your show in a couple of weeks in LA. And we're just like, Oh shit. Okay. <laughs> Let's practice a lot. <laughs> Um, (laughs) and yeah, you know, luckily he liked us. And then once he, once he picked us up, he was basically like, yeah, you know, your EP before this is a little, you know, it's not really what these other two songs are. Is this the direction you're trying to go? We're like, yes. He's like, cool. Give me four more songs like that. And let's get you in the studio right away. So we took like a month and and wrote some music and then finished the, the EP with Eric. That must be cool. I mean, to segue from the, from the Coheed thing, uh, hello. Sounds yeah, like I'm here. Sounds like Sorry, there's, a, there's a dog chasing oh, geese dog. right now. There's a dog chasing geese. And it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's really excited and the geese are very loud. <laughs> I was just I was just gonna say to segue um to segue from that, it's 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 kinda cool. I mean big big fan of Coheed. You got the Coheed tattoo on the arm, they're obviously inspiration. Now you're getting signed to the label that had Coheed in the beginning. I know. I mean it, it was kinda crazy just because like you know, we, we were talking about shopping around and like trying to find the best deal we could. But then when Equal Vision was interested, um, and the contract wasn't like incredible. We were a young band. We didn't have that big of a following. We had, we had a bit of a following from a couple like big national competitions we did that we had actually placed really high in and helped us get our, our name out there kind of on a national level to an extent. What, are nas- what national, but, uh, I have to interrupt you. What national competitions are those? So, like, so there was one for, uh, you remember Airwalk? like clothing airwalk shoes. Oh yeah, like of that. course. Of yeah. course. Yeah. So they did, they did this like big national battle of the bands thing. And it was like 2000 something bands entered. And it was basically just like a voting thing. Like there were different rounds and you just get voted to these different tiers. And, uh, yeah, we ended up, I think we got seconds or something. We ended up in the, in the top eight or something like that. Um, but through that, like you couldn't win it off of just like your hometown votes. You know what I mean? Like, right. So it was it was all open nationally, and, and we saw our votes just like growing and growing and growing through the competition, like very organically. Cool. Um, so that and by the time that was done, oh, okay, I'm going to dive into this, like I'm just going to ramble for a while. Tell me to shut the hell up whenever you Go want. Ahead. But um, before that, so like the way that we all the way the band kind of started was Ian and I were playing together. Uh, we met Chris at a practice studio. He started kind of jamming with us. Um, we ended up placing in this competition. Uh, 
to play in front of all these big like major label execs. So we were playing in front of like Disney and Geffen and Interscope, um, just like a showcase of, you know, and it was just Ian and I, we're the only band. It was just Ian and I as an acoustic duo. We're the only group that was like, you know, an acoustic duo, right. not a full on rock band. Um, but dude from Geffen, it's like, Hey, you guys should come in, like come to the studio. Um, so we go up to LA, we go to the studio. He's like, Hey, new kids on the block is getting out of the studio in like two hours. You guys want to go like record some shit? And they're like, okay, like we're not at all ready to record some shit, but sure. Yeah. We'll go into your beautiful major, you know, record label studio and record some shit. Um, so that's actually where we made this like five song EP that's actually on iTunes under just I the mighty. It's just a self-titled acoustic EP. And that was the first thing we ever put out. Um, wow. And this guy, the guy Evan Peters, was basically like, "Look, I really appreciate appreciate what you guys are doing. I think you're probably too indie for Geffen, um, but my recommendation is like these are obviously rock songs that you're playing on acoustic guitars. Find your band, man. Put your band together. Like I really believe in in you guys and, and your songwriting. Just, you need to start doing it right. So we immediately went home and hit up Chris. He was like, "Yeah, I'm moving to LA in a few months, but like I'll jam with you for the next few months." And then we had a message on in our MySpace inbox from Blake. That's so back in the MySpace days. And he was basically like, hey, I saw you guys play. Talk to you guys at Hotel Utah. If you're still looking for a drummer, you know, I'm still interested. So we're like, okay, this is kind of serendipitous. So we try out Blake and the chemistry for the four of us just within like two hours of one practice was like, all right, I think this is what we're going to do now. Um, so we got signed to a label called Talking House Records out of San Francisco like a month after that. Um, we spent eight months making this full-length record called We Speak that we never got to release because right the week that we were about to release it, the funding for that record label pulled out, oh, and that wow. label basically wow. went bankrupt. Right? Uh-huh. Yeah. So we they gave us all these recordings, um, but you know, so we were kind of trying to figure out what to do with it, and we decided to cut that full length into an EP and kind of build our fan base by giving it away for free. But you had to do like a track hunt to pick up each track. So like you had to add our MySpace to pick up track one. You had to add our Pure Volume to pick up track two. You okay. had to you know, at our Twitter to pick up track three. So basically just fluffed all of our socials and helped get the word out there. Um, and as we were, our idea was to shop that EP, which is called the hearts and space EP. And we were going to, you know, shop that around to labels and hopefully get picked up and be like, you know, we already have this full length record ready. Just, you know, just sign up and keep a record. You don't have to pay for any recording or anything. Right. Um, cause it's a good sounding record. We spent a long time making it easy, but, um, Wow. Basically, as that was happening, that's when Eric Ron saw us at the club. Right, right. And said, the rest of the story. And record a couple songs, and you guys know the rest. Yeah. Wow. Um, so do you have a lot, lot, like a bunch of old recorded material that's never seen the light of day? Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, a shit ton. Is there any plan I mean, to we, ever we put speak... that stuff out? Because, I mean, you're fa- I'm sure your fans would love it, even, even though you wouldn't love it. I'm sure there's a reason you didn't cho- choose to put out the songs. But, I mean, it would be maybe something you could do at some point, you know? Yeah, I mean, I have like <laughs> we have this like really really early demo that we made when 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 Ian and I were in a band together before the rest of the guys joined. We were in a band called Breakpoint, and it was just like a lot of the acoustic stuff. But we made this thing called the Unabridged Archive, like double album, and it's like I think like each each disc has like twenty five songs or something. Oh, it's wow. like so much music, and so much of it is so bad. But we did it in like reverse chronological order, so it's like you hear, you know, the best material of our, our, you know, our young lives all the way back to like literally just shit garage recordings. Um, I don't know if we would ever put that out because right. it's like, I would say 40 of the tracks are terribly embarrassing, 
But um, the album We Speak that we never actually released that full length record. Yeah, I mean, we definitely have plans to do something with it. It's it's a good sounding record, and it's kind of built this little like cult following. We we you know for a long time we would bring out like twenty copies on the road with us every tour, and you know the hardcore fans that knew about it would be like, hey, do you guys have any We Speaks? And we just kind of sell it to them under the table. And um, so it's kind of like slowly built this little cult following, and everyone's like, you know, are you guys going to re-release it? What are you going to do with it? And um, we can't. I probably am already saying way too much, but uh, we'll work. You know, <laughs> we hope to do something with it. So I'll leave it at that. Very good, very good. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with Brent from I the Mighty. All right, guys, listen up. Sexual performance issues are a lot more common than you think. Here's some stats: over 25 percent of new erectile dysfunction cases are guys under 40. And 40% of men by age 40 struggle from not being able to get or maintain an erection. You are not alone. But so many guys turn to weird solutions or do nothing about their big, or should I say not so big, problem. But thanks to science, erectile dysfunction can be optional. There's a solution, and you can find it at 4 a one-stop solution for hair loss, skin care, and sexual wellness just for men. 4HIMS supplies well-known generic equivalents to name-brand prescriptions. This isn't snake oil pills or gas station counter supplements. These are real prescription solutions backed by science. You've heard all the brand names. This is the same thing backed by the FDA. There's no waiting room, awkward doctor visits, no lines. You can save hours of time and tons of money. Here's how it works, and it's so easy. Go online and answer a few quick questions with a real doctor, and the products will be shipped directly to your door. It's completely confidential, there's no embarrassment, and there's no in-person doctor visit. Severe ED isn't just for old guys sitting around in bathtubs. It affects regular guys in their 30s and 40s. Thanks to Hims, it's easy, and you don't even have to leave your house. Try Hims for a month today for just $5. We'll get you started for just 5 bucks while supplies last. See website for full details. This would cost hundreds if you went to a doctor or a pharmacy. Go to forhims.com slash LSSED. That's F O R H I M S dot com slash LSSED. Forhims.com slash LSSED. I got to ask you one question. I was listening to your, your new record. Uh, I've listened to it a few times, but I, I listened to it today and I just kind of threw it on real quick before this. And I was, I, I can't believe I've never picked up in this lyric before, but I was like, did he just reference the matches? Like the band, the matches. Yeah. Is that is that uh, is that what that is? Because they're from yeah, San Francisco. 100%. I actually meant. Yeah. I actually meant to say that when you're talking about like our formative years or whatever. Um, Ian and I and Chris actually were all really, 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 really into the matches um, back in the day. And when we were in the band, we were like kind of taking it seriously, kind of not. When we first started it, and we watched the matches go from like I think the first show that Ian and I saw them was at a teen center in Fremont in front of literally like nine people. Like there was nobody there. They were not well known. Um, and we watched them build into like headlining the AP magazine tour and like headlining Europe shows and going to Australia. And we're like, well shit, if they can do it, maybe we can do it. And I have to say like the matches were a very, very integral part of Ian and I taking it a lot more seriously and, and putting a lot more work into it and kind of believing in ourselves a little bit more. Um, and that story ends in a really cool way too, because they ended up doing their 
Fanduel, so they're celebrating the 10-year anniversary for right now at Talking House Records, the same time that we were recording We Speak. So we met them and got to know them and became friends with them and played shows with them. Um, and then after the matches broke up, John DeVoto, the lead guitarist, hit me up and was like, hey, uh, do you want to grab a beer with me at Hotel Utah in San Francisco and just like catch up on things? It was like, cool. So I got a beer with him while he wanted to start producing. And I was talking about how I you know, had like enough material for like three solo records. Not songs that wouldn't fit with Iron Mighty, but I wanted to make a solo record. Wow. And he was like, cool, well, maybe you know, drop by in a month or so. I was like, what about tomorrow? He's like, all right, drop by tomorrow. Um, and we ended up making my solo record together, which is called Seven. Um, he produced it. We became super best friends through the process of that. And, uh, now like we are each other's friend group, basically my friend group and his friend group kind of combined into one. So it's really serendipitous that like this guy who used to sign my shoes and I like worship the ground (laughs) he walks on is like now one of my, my best buddies. Yeah, I know. It's, it's really cool how that stuff happens. And that's, that's a pretty common story. I think, you know, in our world, um, you mentioned, you know, the UK and, and Europe and Australia and stuff. Um, you guys have sort of recently started to venture off to some other places in the world. How's that been going for you guys? I feel like the type of band you are, you'd have some pretty good success. Yeah, I think, uh, I think especially like in Europe, um, it's, I think it's, it's kind of hard in America. Like when we first started out, that was one of the things that, that Dan from UVR was kind of straight up with us about was like, Hey, you're not the type of band, you know, you're not gimmicky. You don't really fit into like a certain mold. You're not post-hardcore enough for the post-hardcore, post-hardcore bands. You're not pop enough for the pop bands. Like it's going to take you guys a while to build something, but when you build it, I think it's going to be this very unique culty thing. So just like have patience right. and keep grinding. Um, and I think that type of band doesn't have as hard of a time in the UK. I feel like people in Europe are a little more open to like, stuff with a little more substance maybe that sounds fucked up to say i don't know Sorry, but, a, little, a little more um, what? But I, I, substance like oh, stuff okay. that you have to like dig a little deeper to grab the meaning to stuff and um i don't know like progressive rock bands and stuff seem to do well there but uh from from what we've done it seems like it's going really well i mean we had a first show our first ever headline show over there and we we i think i don't think we saw i think we're like five away from selling out or something but um Where was like it? the camden assembly and stuff and uh, just our, our first ever headline show was last year. Where was over it? In Europe, in uh, in London at the oh, Camden Assembly. Okay, cool. Yeah, cool. But uh, yeah, cool. I think I think it's I think it's going to go well. We just we haven't gotten like a lucky break as far as like a big tour, you know, a big supporting spot on a tour. So that's what we're kind of putting a lot of focus in this year. We got Reading and Leeds Festival, um, which is really cool. Wow, so really? You did? To that's kind of huge, use, yeah. dude. Wow. Yeah, we're really stoked. Jeez. So hopefully that, ask that can bridge into something else over there, like a, a mainland Europe tour or something. Because we've hit the UK a few times, but you know, it's time to hit mainland Europe. It's time to hit Australia. It's yeah. time to start branching out a little more. Absolutely, man. Brennan, go ahead. Well, if you know, you talk about you're not uh, you're you're not post or post hardcore enough for the post hardcore kids, and 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 you know, pop for the pop kids. You guys have had kind of, in my opinion, at least three kind of big distinct changes from when you guys were a little bit more like indie and then like, you know, with Carmen Ever Sleeps, probably up through Connector, maybe a little bit more rock centric or post hardcore. And then with the new album, at least to me, it's a lot more like progressive or a little bit more airy. Um, you know, what kind of reaction do you get from fans? Cause you kind of have three spectrums of, of fans coming out. 
to, to your shows, at least from what I've seen. Yeah, yeah, very much so. I mean, I, I you know, there, there are, of course, the people that want us to be playing stuff like Failures and Speak to Me and, like, the record be a little soft for them. Um, but for the right. most part, the overwhelming thing that I've seen and what I've heard from fans that I've talked to is basically that they've, like, followed us on this little journey that we've been on and, and the change in sound. And, and for the most part, they seem to be all about it. I mean, I, a, lot, a lot of people have told me since this record came out on our headline tour and on this tour already that our new record is their favorite record and they've been following us since Karma. So I think right. uh, it's been kind of cool because we have kind of pushed the boundary in, in a couple different directions. Like we, uh, we have a song right now that's we, we're, basically we're just now undergoing our first ever like commercial radio campaign. Oh, wow. um, right. So our song Chaos in Motion is, is starting to get some love on some radio stations. We're going to do some, we're actually playing some radio stations. Um, some radio stations on this tour and doing some press for them. And uh, nice. that song is definitely like in more in like the alternative world space. Right. Um, and we were pretty, you know, scared about what our fan base was going to think. Um, but it, I mean, there was like the tiniest little bit of backlash and so much overwhelming support instead. Like I could not be happier with, with how our fan base reacted to it. Um, and on the album, it's kind of fun. That song goes directly into a song called Where the Mind Wants to Go. And it's like, they're the two polar opposites. They're basically the spectrum of the album. Like it goes from like, the poppiest alternative song into the heaviest song on the record. Right. Um, so I feel like in a way we've sort of trained our fan base a little bit. We're starting to, to bridge the gaps of like, you know, slow dancing brothers on connector. And that's like a synth pop song practically. Um, right. so I think we've been slowly grooming our fan base to know that we're not going to do one thing and to not necessarily expect us to do anything that we've done before. Um, and we're going to continue that trend. I think I have no idea what the next record is going to sound like, but we have some plans for later in the summer that I think, um, are going to take some people by surprise, but I'm really excited about it. Wow. Well, and I think, I think to bridge that gap, I think to bridge connector with where the mind wants to go, where you let it go with oil and water was probably an incredible bridge where, you know, you could show off all the different to do that were nowhere near the sound that was on connector and then kind of ride that into where the wind, where the, uh, where the mind goes, where you let it go. So where did, where did you guys come up with the idea for oil and water and how did that kind of come together? Um, so EVR was like, Hey, we should do a mid cycle single. Let's do, you know, let's do a few acoustic songs from connector. And we're like, okay. And then we started thinking about it a little more. And I, I actually remember a laundromat. I don't remember where, somewhere in the South, I think we're in a laundromat. And I was trying, I was trying to think of like how to do an acoustic version of the Hound of the Fox. But for some reason, right. It's like big band version kept popping in my head. Like, sick <laughs> man. Like, like a Frank Sinatra yeah. version of the song. And I was like, I started singing it to Chris, and he thought it was really funny. And then that slowly kind of sparked this idea of like, what if instead of doing an acoustic EP, we do like a reimagined EP, like a remix EP, but we just do all these different songs and like completely different styles. So I don't know for anybody who's listening who hasn't heard what it is. It's basically like different song. There's, there's a big band song. Um, Andrew's song we did, we reimagined as like an acapella version and there's like some piano and cello that comes in. Um, uh, what, is, what was it? Uh, the Lion Eyes of Miss Ray, we did like a full electronic version. Um, we did like a Mumford and Sons like folk version of playing Catch with 22, um, which was really fun. The only thing that sucked about it is that we had, we had like two weeks to write it and we had one week to try it. 
and we had one week to mix it. And then it was like, cause we were trying to get it out by, I don't know what tour, we were trying to get it out like to help promote a tour. So it all had happened super fast. And I had to meet up with all these different uh, musicians around the Bay area and kind of like knock out what these, you know, brass instrumentation wow. was going to be and cello and violin parts were going to be. Um, and then I got sick for the recording process. So maybe you wouldn't hear, I can hear, I can't even listen to it cause I hate the way my vocals sound on it. Um, <laughs> But I was then I was sick during the tracking, and there really wasn't anything we could do. We just like just I'm just sick during the tracking. I feel like we just didn't get nearly as good of like vocal takes as we could have. But but uh, wow. yeah, so that's that whole story. I feel like I've been rambling a lot. No, no, no. It's, this is the point, though. We 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 got to hear what you what Brent has to say. You know, I mean, this is the and there's lots to talk. I've still so much to ask you. Um, the commercial radio thing is is definitely intriguing and interesting. Uh, have you done any of those weird like radio festivals yet? <laughs> we just booked one. Oh um, yeah, get ready. That's gonna be. Uh, we just booked uh, iHeart Radio, uh, iHeart Radio Festival in Bakersfield. Oh, Bakersfield, perfect. Yeah, <laughs> right. So, um, <laughs> who's on the bill? Is it like I, is it like Theory of a Dead Man or Five Finger Death Punch or? Uh, I mean, uh, this, in this is moment, honestly or... this is honestly stuff. <laughs> It's honestly, I probably shouldn't even be saying this to you because we haven't announced it at all yet. Um, oh, and I, don't, okay. I honestly don't know who the headliner, the headliners are. Um, I okay, don't even don't, think they have a finalized. Okay, don't announce yet, the headliners because because uh, I'm putting this out on Tuesday. But uh, the but no, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't, things, I don't know them anyways. So I, I I'm, I'm curious. I'm going to ask you how it goes because because uh, the whole radio world is super weird, and. Um, I know, man, we've been told. <laughs> but I think it kind of work, could work for you guys. I mean, like, Portugal the Man, they were on Equal Vision. It worked out for them pretty well. Yeah, I mean, they they <laughs> just won a Grammy. And, yeah. and, okay, the guy that just made, the guy that made Where the Mom Wants to Go, Where You Let It Go, the main producer, Casey Bates, Yeah, uh, he worked on that record, too. Like, he's he produced that record that just won a Grammy. So it's wow. kind of crazy. I'm yeah. super stoked for him. Congratulations. That's, uh, that's crazy. Um you mentioned you you were sick, uh, in your vo- you know you had some problems with your with your voice. Uh, I think Brennan had a question about about your vocals. I think he was wondering something. Yeah. So the uh, the, the thing that I brought up is is your vocals, at least to me in the scene. I, I haven't really, at least for my ear, I haven't heard anything like it. And the way I kind of described it to Shane was it you know it sounds like. Your vocal cords had curry, and then drink some of the tap water in Flint, Michigan, because they have a ton of runs. <laughs> so, when you go, when you're in the studio, I mean, are are you getting told to simplify things? Because everything that you yeah. do, I mean, almost everything. There's so many runs. Um, yeah, yeah, I get told to simplify a lot of stuff. Not even by the producer, but by, mostly by my own band. <laughs> but it's like, dude. Are you adding to this song? Is it to show off? Are you adding to this? I'm like, I think the melody is stronger this way, sincerely. But right. if everyone hates it, like, I'll I'll have some other looks at it. You know, <laughs> unfortunately for me, we've done a lot. <laughs> God, but, uh, that's so real. That the, the way you just threw that conversation down. That's so a real thing. That's like heard in every studio ever. It's like, it's yeah, like, and I'm sure, I'm sure a bunch of people run into it on different instruments. I mean, we've oh, like, yeah. there's been times that Blake's doing some crazy shit on the drums. I'm like, yo, can we like, can we get a little more of a groove, a little less like insanity? <laughs> but sometimes it works. Sometimes you got to take a step back and just let it happen and let them, let them track it and listen to it later. Like, you know, cause you have your vision and we all, you know, 
the unfortunate part and the fortunate part of our band. I think one of the reasons why why we are kind of a unique band and have made you know kind of unique music is that all four of us are writers and we all right. have a vision and we all have opinions. Um, well, the drawback to that is that sometimes it takes fucking forever to get stuff done in the studio, yeah. um, and we just like we very politely argue. It never gets like crazy heated or anything. Well, that's like nice. we're, we're always pretty respectful about it, but we do we do argue quite a bit about parts. Yeah, no, it seemed the way you were talking to the way you were talking. It seemed a little like maybe a little passive aggressive, but um, to to reference another San Francisco band, possibly the biggest one of all. Uh, Metallica they um, there's this movie yeah. they put out I'm, I don't know if you've seen it it's called Some Kind of Monster where it's like a documentary of them yeah in the I remember I saw half of it I saw like half of it oh it's it's like one of my favorite things that's ever existed but there's a part where Hetfield's like just playing this like you know classic Metallica chug riff and Lars starts like jamming on the drums I don't know what he's doing and Hetfield's like yeah man but can you just play it like like regular <laughs> like just play the drums like regular <laughs> And he's like, what do you mean regular? And like everyone knows what he means. Like just like do ga do ga and and um Yeah. And and he's like, I just think it sounds fucking stock, man. And they have this like blow up and it's just it's it I love it so much because it's like the biggest band in the world has the same problems as the smallest band in the world. Totally. That's that's part of the struggles of being in a band is people have different visions. You know, it's it, it's part of the reason a lot of bands break up. You know, you grow right. and your visions change and Maybe you're all in the post-hardcore in high school, and then you grow up, and some people completely grow out of it, and other people are like, "No, this is what I want to do." And you know, luckily with us, you know, the, the changes that we've made in the band and the, the changes in the sound have all come extremely. And I think we're all kind of growing in, in a similar enough direction um, right. that that it's worked out for us. But but yeah, that's the, that's a struggle about just trying to do this for, especially over like a long period of time. People taste change. Absolutely. Well, and if if you don't mind me bringing it up, the uh, the solo album Seven, uh, I, I could be wrong here, but I think I remember reading that Seven was basically like stuff that you know there was some stuff that you've been holding on to for like seven years. If, if that's if I'm not mistaken with that, um, is that right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I called it Seven because it's basically seven years worth of like random material and there was you know there were right. many 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 songs that got cut down into the ones that I actually chose for the record but it was like you know in the very early stages of my songwriting trying to figure out flavor was what my style was i was like dabbling right. with like hip-hop and dabbling with like blues and um dabbling with like acoustic singer songwriter stuff and some heavier progressive rock stuff that you know it's the majority of like the i the mighty stuff but um right. so yeah that's why seven is, is an extremely eclectic record because i just kind of like picked I picked different songs from these different like eras of my, you know, trying to find a voice as a writer, um, and just kind of slapped them all together on a record. It's a pretty weird record cohesively, but yeah. Um, and the, but I think that's one of the things that people like about it is that it's just kind of out there. Yeah, and, and that's the reason that I bring it up is because you're talking about how you guys have all grown towards you know the same sound, you know, luckily in the band, and so it's got to be kind of nice to be able to have an outlet like you did for your solo record where maybe the stuff that wasn't pigeonholed into the sound that you guys are working towards, you could release as a as solo material that didn't necessarily fit by the mighty. Totally. Yeah. I mean, some of those are just straight up by the mighty rejects. <laughs> right. There's some honesty. <laughs> I mean, I, I would like, you know, you play them for the band like, eh, it's a little too like, 
little too pop or it's a little too singer songwriter. I'm like, okay. Put right. it in my back pocket for later. Right. I mean, Isn't that, that can be frustrating, came out, Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, totally. I was just saying, like, Seven came out three and a half years ago. Like, that. that's already repeated itself, right. you know, right. three times over. Um, especially with this last record, I had some kind of more... And it's true. It was it, it was pretty different. And even with how eccentric the new record is, um, it definitely would have been, like... There was a couple of songs that I was really strong on, but they would have been outliers for sure. Um, right. But, you know, maybe those will make my next little solo project. So. Did it happen where you put out the songs on seven that were that were I the Mighty Rejects and then your band heard your solo solo songs and was like, oh, yeah, I really like that song. That, uh, that was a really good one. And you're like, wait, you didn't like it when we were trying to record it for this band. That, did that happen? <laughs> That did not happen. It did no. not happen. Okay. <laughs> it did but, not happen. But, but I mean, have you ever had to put your foot down and like you, you've had this song or this idea and the band was like, I don't know. And you were like, you got to trust me. This is like, this is good. Does that ever happen? Either stuff that you write or stuff that the guys in your band write? Or is it really like everyone? Yeah. Has a I mean, class? I mean a little bit. I mean, you, you, you put your, you put your foot down, you know, when you feel like you really need to, but at the end of the day the band, you know, the band is run as a democracy. Like I know some, some bands like the, the lead singer songwriter, you know, their word carries a lot more weight. Uh, we've always been kind of like, we're all in this together and we make, we, you know, vote on stuff very democratically and we make decisions together. So there have been times I put my foot down and really fought for stuff that, that has made the record. And there have been times I've really fought and put my foot down on stuff that didn't make the record. That's just kind of part of the dichotomy of being a band. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so the the new record. Uh, before I let you go, I want to talk about um, about it. It's it's a great record. It's called Where the Mind Wants to Go, Where You Let It Go, and um, it's out on Equal Vision Records. And I thought it was kind of interesting that you guys led with Silver Tongues as the first single lead track, and it f- has a feature of Tillian from Dance Gavin Dance, who is a, a previous guest of the show. What was the decision to do that and have a song not only? A feature, but he like sings the beginning of the song. Like he sings the first verse of the song. It's kind of like a real big feature, and he doesn't just come in and sing a few lines in the bridge. Yeah, I mean that was a very heavily debated thing. We 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 originally we wanted to lead off with Silver Tongues just to you know dance. Gavin Dance is doing some cool stuff. We're really we're really stoked on that. What that song turned out to be, um, and part of that was also we knew that we wanted to push Chaos in Motion, which is like you know, alternative pop single. So we didn't want to come out with the alternative pop single right off the bat and have everyone freak the hell out about it. Um, so we knew we wanted to kind of, we wanted to put out a song that was going to stoke our, our fan base first and then kind of introduce the next and be like, Hey, there's also some new, you know, a new sound to the new record as well. Um, but yeah, that was, that was a very heavily debated thing with, Mostly the fact that he starts the first verse. That right, was like exactly. that was a tough pill for some people to swallow. And I kind of went back and forth with Tillian about it. I was like, hey, you know, the label wants this. I kind of get where they're coming from. You know, we could switch the verses. And I, I know wow. I don't think it makes it a stronger song if we switch the verses. And he's, you know, we tried it and we listened back to it. And then we were just, we were just kind of like, it's just, it's not as good. It doesn't flow as well. It doesn't make as much sense. Like, I like that we're, tra- I like that you do the, the first verse and I come in on the first chorus. I, I just, I like the way it was. So whatever, let's just do it. Yeah. Who cares? I'm surprised that there weren't contract issues with that. I mean, you guys are on, diff- they're on rise records. I'm surprised rise was like, yeah, not only is it cool. He'll do the track, but like he'll appear in the video. It'll be the first single. Like that, that almost never happens. 
I think a lot of it just stems from the fact that we're that we're friends. I think if, if we weren't friends beforehand and if it was just like just a, a business thing, then yeah. they could have been a little more. No, totally. But I mean, the label, also, the labels. I mean, are I guess they're kind of friends, but like you know what I mean. Like you know, it's it's a bit yeah. of, it's a bit cutthroat. Yeah. Let's be honest. Yeah. Yeah, for so sure. I'm, I'm I mean, surprised yeah, that, Rise, we that Rise went like shout, shout it to Rise that they did it. But I, I was surprised that 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 it was uh, uh, something that could be worked out so easily. So that's that's awesome. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Um, I another, think it was cool to leave with it. Yeah. Uh, another thing um, about the record too is is you talk about how there's about like more than half the record is kind of connected, uh, you know, with with some songs kind of being about one thing. But you're, you've been kind of vague on what, you know, what that is, and which songs are connected, and kind of why. Um, how did you connect it exactly? And are there plans to maybe do a, a full concept album? Was this a bit of a, a shot, you know, and seeing how that would, would go? Yeah, I mean, Connector was a was a kind of a concept record in a way too. Right. We've we've been doing this like half assed concept record thing for a while. Um, <laughs> there's definitely. Uh, there's definitely, I mean, I've got a lot of different ideas for what could work as a concept record, or at least what could be, you know, some like different parts. Maybe, maybe there's like six tracks that are one story and six tracks that are another, or doing like a split concept record or something. Um, I've, I've been, I've been interested in that in a long time, for a long time. Uh, it's just like, I don't know. Sometimes I feel like it just feels a little bit forced, or I feel like the style of the song. I get so out there with like the storytelling part of the lyrics that the song doesn't feel relatable anymore. It doesn't feel like real or relatable or like there's enough uh, heart in it. And it's a little more like just kind of telling a story, which I think can be cool to an extent. But um, I guess my fear with doing a concept record sometimes is that you lose, I don't know, you lose what people can truly connect with if you don't right. do it flawlessly. Yeah. So, so I, I've, I mean, I've been toying around with a lot of ideas for the next, I have no idea what the next record is going to be, but I, I kind of don't want to do another full length record. I kind of want to do like maybe, you know, four EPs that we release one every three months that have like four tracks each and it would basically comprise a record, but maybe each EP is its own concept or maybe one right. is a concept EP and one is just, but and I think that could kind of be cool to like explore our different avenues too. Like maybe we do one that's a little more simpler than maybe we do one that's a little heavier and uh, kind of keep dabbling in, in what we've kind of been doing for a long time in our career that originally was very, very shunned upon. I think when we were coming up, it was very much so like, yo, pick a lane, stay in your lane, right. build something in that lane. But I feel like the way the music industry is now, like people are just trying to cut through at this point. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's like, yeah. everything's been done. There are a bunch of bands that sound exactly like each other. And, um, you know, I don't know. I, I feel like there's there's a lot more room to play if you're down to take the risk than there used to be. Um, so we just kind of figure out, you know, what risks we're down to take and what direction we want to head in. But yeah. uh, as of now, there could be a concept record on the horizon. There might not. We might not even do another full length record for the next record. I don't. I don't really know. Wow. Okay. Well, lots of lots of information there for I the Mighty fans. Uh, Brent, thanks for taking the time. Uh, Brendan, you got any more uh, questions there before we let him go? Yeah, the the last thing I'll bring up, um, and I, I think this is the perfect time to do it. This is going to be just a long con to uh, give you a cease and desist because your your nuclear for playing catch with twenty two 
is very similar to the music video for Discovering the Waterfront by Silverstein. <laughs> oh, is it <laughs> really? <laughs> is, it, is, it, is it like God's in, in like, stuff? Yeah, yeah, laying down, like playing guitar and like drums going and stuff. Holy crap, <laughs> was it, was it all? Was that video all shot with a, with a drone? Was it like purely drone uh, shot? Uh, Honestly, well, I don't even think drones existed back when discovering the waterfall was going on. <laughs> they, they actually, I don't think they did, uh, at least not the way they did now. <laughs> but um, it was 2005. But no, I, I, I haven't seen your video, Brent, but our video is um, it's entirely shot from overhead. Like every shot in the whole video is overhead. So some of it is like people walking, like overhead shots or people doing like, there's like a, one where people are like in an office. And then there's one where I'm like laying on a bed, looking up at the camera and like laying on the ground. So it's, yeah, that's, that's, the, I mean, that's, that's, the concept. that's pretty similar. It's, it's, yeah, that was the concept of our video too, is we had a, a director reach out with a treatment that was basically like, you know, I haven't seen a video done like this, but I want to shoot the entire thing. It, they call it God's view. It's called God's right. view. And it's like all directly, <laughs> directly down. So he's like, I got a drone guy. He's really good. We're going to shoot the whole thing in God's view. And he like sent us over some, you know, some samples of the drone shots. And we're like, oh, this is cool. And yeah. it, was, it was kind of before the drone thing was like as used as it is now too. So we kind of thought it would be cool to have a purely drone shot music video. No, oh, that's cool. But, uh, no, I mean, our, yeah, our video is... That's cool. We got something in common. Yeah, our video is like pretty boring and probably cost like $75,000 because back then videos were shot on film. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> hey, whatever though. drones didn't exist. Yeah. I got, great, yeah, I got, on, like, I got some you know. great emo hair though. I'm really, my hair looks great in that video. So, uh, the, the 2005 look, man. Oh, I, love yeah, it. I miss it. I, I miss was, I was look. killing it, man. But, uh, well, <laughs> well, Brent, thanks so much, man. Enjoy your show tonight in Denver. Uh, I hope that altitude doesn't, doesn't, uh, doesn't get you. Remember, it's in your head, man. I'm just going to drink a bunch of water, man. Yeah. I'll drink well, a bunch of water. I'll be fine. Well, I will say the last time I was in Denver, <laughs> uh, we were playing at, are you guys at Summit? We're at Bluebird. Oh, Bluebird. Okay. Yeah, we played at the Summit, and there's this yeah, great- Yeah, sold-out show at Bluebird. Awesome. Nice. We, we, we were playing at Summit, and right across the street is this like craft beer bar, and they have like- Well, I know it's not a big deal for you, but they had like Pliny the Elder on draft, which is, you know, like a pretty hard-to-find hard to beer, at least where I come from. And um, Yeah, I know. That's one of my friend's favorite beers. Yeah. So I- And it's like an 8% beer, and I- I don't know. I d- didn't think I drank very much. Like, I can usually hold, you know, hold my liquor, but- uh, <laughs> I was fucked up, and I and then I was like, maybe it's the altitude. Because I, I, yeah, I think it is it the must, altitude, it must dude. Get it's you. a real thing. I promise you. <laughs> I promise <laughs> but it doesn't you it's happen real. to me in Albuquerque, so I don't know. <laughs> All right, man. Athletes literally come here to train so that they can like play better in, uh, in different games. I know, I know, but hey, we'll see. Well, hey, rock it tonight <laughs> but, and enjoy, Brent. And thanks for your time, man. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. I really right, appreciate yeah. it. Take care. All right, bye. So there it is with Brent of I the Mighty. Thanks to Brendan, Brendan for uh, jumping on with me. How did that go for you, man? Uh, it was incredible. Um, you know, I'm, I I probably need a little Flint water to bring me down. To be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's only about an hour away from here where I am in Windsor, Ontario. So maybe I'll uh, I'll go get you a bucket. <laughs> Yes, please do. Please no, do. I, I don't know, man. Flint, that's that's that shit is crazy, man. I can't believe that even happened. And it's funny you brought that up as your joke because there's a documentary on Netflix that I've been watching. It's called Flint 
Flint City, Flint, I don't know what it's called, Flint something, and it's uh, uh, just about how their police force has like under 100 people for, you know, for 100,000 population and how they're having all these issues and it's crazy, so, uh, wow, I, I'm sure we have, we've got to have some listeners from Flint, there's got to be somebody, but that's just, <laughs> that's crazy, and we had a problem, we had a water issue in, in Ontario in a city called Walkerton, like, I don't know, 10 or 15 years ago maybe, but it was like, I don't even know if anyone died or, or anything really happened. It was just like one, like there was just something happened, like some dude wasn't checking the, the like pH of the water, you know? <laughs> but this sounds like a real problem in Flint. Yeah. Well, it probably would have been a problem if you guys lived in like Joggerton or like Runnington, but <laughs> I think Walkerton, you're fine. You can steer clear of the water for a little while at least. <laughs> just just Walkerton away, man. Just Walkerton away. <laughs> just Walkerton over to Joggington. So what did you take out of that uh, conversation with Brent? He likes to talk. Um, yeah, I mean, what I, what I took away from it was just how crazy of a ride they've had kind of because they, they couldn't be pinned down to one sound, I guess. Right. Like it, it sounds like basically from the start, had they had their Karma Never Sleeps sound, when they met with the guy from Geffen, basically they would have been signed right then. <laughs> right. And did he say that the guy from Geffen's name was Evan Peters? Isn't that the guy from oh, I, I American Horror Story? I was like, Evan Peters? <laughs> like the good looking guy that has the like skeleton on his face? I don't know. Um, I'm sure there's, it's a f- relatively common name. Uh, but no, you're, you're probably right. And, and, and I, I didn't ask him this. I didn't know if it was going to be insulting, but I said, huh, Geffen was about to sign you and all these other labels were like checking out your band and then you signed to some label I've never heard of. You know, uh, Talking right. Heads or Talking Nights or whatever he said. Uh, you know, I, I just was surprised. I mean, obviously, it's it's nice that it worked out for them and they're doing so well now with Equal Vision. The radio success is crazy, but it's sort of, yeah, it was sort of surprising to me that, uh, you know, that, that, that they went that route, but... You know, I guess it, and maybe that's why it's like you said, it's taken them this long to kind of start seeing some real success. Well, and it's it's good to know that you basically have to talk to the dude behind the merch table with the trench coat to get their first record. We speak. <laughs> I didn't know that, so now I can bring that up when they come through. Right. <laughs> What's the the password? Yes. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. No, no. He he opens one side of the coat and it's like watches and necklaces and jewelry. Opens the other side of the coat. Yeah, that's where you get the EPs. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny, man. That's funny. Well, dude, um, thank you, thank you, man, for jumping on with me. And uh, uh, you're the expert on I the Mighty. So, what should we play for the people? Well, I know they're trying to push promotion, but uh, from the newest album, at least, my favorite from the newest album is Cat Names. I like it because it's kind of creepy. It's not a stalker. All right. Sounds good. Let's go. Let's go the creepy route. All right. Well, let's play it. Here's Pet Names by I the Mighty on Lead Singer Syndrome. Thank you, Brendan. And thank you, Brent. And we'll see you next week. Myself away 
everybody so much for tuning in i hope you enjoyed that and remember hit the subscribe button because on friday we have a huge episode with spencer from under oath i do not want you to miss it and of course if you like the show please spread the word tell a friend tell a loved one write a review on itunes post on your twitter on your facebook whatever you got to do it really does help us keep this thing going thanks to brendan potter thanks to brent thanks to all my sinners worldwide Peace and love. We'll see you next time. Need band merch? Don't forget to check out rockabilia.com, the best in the business. With over 500,000 unique items, all licensed from the artists, it doesn't get any better than rockabilia.com. Save 15% right now. Use this code PCJabberJaw. That's rockabilia.com and use promo code PCJabberJaw to save 15% off today.